Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes. I am your regular host, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Caleb Jenks. And tonight, we are going to be talking about abortion. So uh, we have been, I don't know if we want to call it on the air, but we've been uh, doing these podcasts for over a year, and we haven't gotten into a few of the, I don't know what you call them, maybe hot button topics in Christianity. And the reason is just because anytime you turn on the old interweb and uh, look up Christians arguing about stuff, you can always find videos and articles about abortion. So we said, ah, we'll get around to it someday. We're going to get into some spicier stuff that nobody's talking about. So tonight we're going to be talking about uh, abortion. We're going to go over what the Bible has to say about it. It has a lot. So if you're a brand new baby Christian and you're not sure where you stand on this, that's okay. You're in the right spot. You're going to get a good dose of the Bible tonight. And uh, at the end of this hour, if you're still a brand new baby Christian and you don't know where you stand on this, well, uh, then you need to get with the program and uh, believe what the Bible says. After that, we're going to go over some logical arguments and moral arguments and things like that and kind of bring up some uh, stupid uh, liberal arguments that the atheistic, you know, uh, Bible denying crowd goes to when they want to support their stance, which is pro-death. So a lot of folks <clears throat> say that the Christian is pro-life and that the uh, the other side is pro-choice. That's not the truth. Uh, we are pro-life. They are pro-death. If you want to soften that up and say they are pro-murder, you can also say that. But I don't say that they're pro-choice because that's nonsense. They're just trying to clean up their stance. Their, their stance is killing babies. So if you're not sure where Caleb and I stand on this yet, <clears throat> get ready. Uh, Caleb, I'm going to turn it over to you and, and see what your initial thoughts are as I try to invite someone on here uh, as we go. So Caleb, take it away. So this uh, topic kind of hit me pretty hard. I don't remember. I I don't, I don't really think that I was exposed much to the topic as a, as a child growing up. Um, I was probably 12 or 13 when it really, when I really realized what abortion was and it was extremely appalling to me at that point that this was legal. It was appalling to me that it was something that happened in this country. It seemed so barbaric and um, I was preteen. And I remember as I learned more about it through my teenage years, uh, thinking and some of the arguments that I saw for ab abortion during that time, books that I read on it, things that I was exposed to, I started realizing that very well-educated people were making arguments for something that seemed like it should have been a barbaric, uncivilized practice. And of course, growing up with a Christian worldview, I, my immediate uh, connection with abortion was where the Bible talked about uh, the countries around Israel causing their children to pass through the fire, you know, doing child sacrifice to the god Molech. And it just, it was really 
interesting to me then to meet Christians. I think the first time that I met a Christian that would have been supposedly pro-choice, that was uh, pro-abortion, um, I was probably 16 or 17. And I was just, I was really caught off guard by the fact that there was actually Christians that believed that this was a, not only a, uh, they were, they were making a moral argument for abortion, why it should be a woman's right to abort their baby. And I was just, it, it was, seemed so outrageous to me at the time that I realized um, as, as Christians, obviously somebody dropped the ball on um, imparting a, a biblical worldview to the point that there could be people that were in church that believed that killing their children was somehow that they somehow could take the moral high ground by promoting um, that they would kill their own children or that others would kill their own children. So I, I would say that that's probably what began my quest to try to educate myself on abortion and um, advocate, be an advocate for um, the unborn. And I really think that the problem started in the church, along with a lot of other moral issues that our society is facing right now. I believe that these problems started in the church where pastors and uh, uh, teachers have not imparted God's word in a clear enough way that you have young Christians that grow up in church, end up in, in politics, end up voting, and they vote um, they vote on moral issues backward against the Bible, even though they are professing Christians. There's a lot of professing Christians that are in politics right now that are um, voting for things that are an abomination to God. And that is very remarkable to me. And, and I think that's something that the church should take note of. Where, where did we fail? Where did it go awry? Because somewhere along the line, we had people sitting in the pews in church, supposed to be hearing God's word. And now they're advocating against God and against his ways. So the, um, I would say, I remember, I remember thinking uh, when I was first, when I was first exposed to abortion, this must be, um, it must be like psychopaths, uh, kind of like serial killers or just the, you know, the, the crazies that are out there that are doing this. You know, this isn't normal people. Normal people wouldn't do that. But it's been repackaged in such a way. And there's, even though there's stupid arguments, there's arguments that are made that are convincing to an uneducated person, to young people, there's convincing arguments that are made that you are the bad guy if you try to say that a woman doesn't have the right to be able to kill their unborn child. You are the monster. You're the evil person. And and this is hitting teenagers. It's hitting college kids. It's hitting uh, young <clears throat> couples that are dating uh, at a time that they're vulnerable and they're uneducated. And their their arguments seem convincing to the to the to the target audience, to people that are accidentally ending up pregnant. Um, obviously, they're probably not making good life choices in the first place to end up in that predicament. Um, uh, speaking of those that are consensual, this isn't talking about rape, but those that are uh, ending up with unwanted pregnancies are the perfect candidate for somebody to come along and peddle lies and tell them, hey, there's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't feel the pain. It's not a human being, you know, whatever the whatever their argument is for it. And um, so I always like to when I'm discussing and I get into a lot of discussions on on social media uh, with pro-choice people and oftentimes their arguments 
they never really want to come out and admit that they are pro-abortion. They will always say, well, in this situation or in that situation, I would be, you know, in the case of incest or in the case of rape, uh, certainly the law should allow um, for abortion or for medical emergencies. But if you pin them down and you ask them, can we both first agree that abortion is bad? As a general rule, abortion is bad. And, and, and so if you're talking about these extreme cases, and Caleb, okay, real real quick, you are talking about only Christians right now, Correct. right? You're not talking about the whole world. You're just talking about your experience with Christianity. Correct. I specifically, I mean, to me, unsaved um, heathen are going to live like heathens. And of course, I pity the fact that our laws allow and support them to be able to kill innocent lives. And so I certainly think it's, it's worth taking a stand against that as well. Um, in the non-Christian world, but um, especially among Christians, I find it very tr troubling that there's Christians that are making arguments for abortion. There's Christians that are making, uh, that are taking stands politically for political candidates that are pro-abortion. And they will, they will, um, some of them I've met in, in Bible discussion, Facebook groups and Bible, you know, I do Bible journaling or handwritten Bibles. And there's, people that I've met in these Bible journaling groups that are, um, they, they're in the group with me and they're doing their Bible journaling, but their profile picture is them um, standing for political candidates that I know are pro abortion. And so yeah, I've gotten into it on, on a number of occasions with them where I'm like, Hey, how can you claim to be a Christian and stand for something that's an abomination to God? Mm -hmm. And it, Oftentimes they'll be like, well, I'm not necessarily me personally. I wouldn't ever have an abortion. Um, but I think that a woman should have the right to be able to do that. You can't force a woman to bring a, a child to birth if she was raped. Or you can't mm -hmm. force a woman um, to bring a child to birth if, if her health is at risk. And so they'll bring these arguments. First, I'll say, okay, wait a minute. Can we all agree? Can we both agree that abortion is bad? in the first place. If we can both agree on that, that abortion is bad and evil and horrible. And, and then we can talk about this. Can we both at least agree on that? And you would only support it in these, in these cases. And then of course they always kind of backpedal. And so I'm like, okay, well then <laughs> don't try to make an argument for the fact that we need to allow it because of these reasons. These are just your excuses. You're really pro-abortion. You don't think there's anything wrong with abortion and you're using these excuses as ways to try to paint Christians or pro-lifers in the corner and say you're the monster because you don't support this when you're really the one that just supports killing babies across the board. You don't, you don't draw the line at saying we should only kill them if their mother's going to die. You're just using that as a, as a reason to argue against it. So that, those are some of the convinced the more convincing arguments that a lot of people are caught off guard with. And um, I'm not sure if you want to pull it up now or, or later, but Patrick has a good quote um, from a, a medical doctor that really debunks this claim of needing to abort a baby for a medical emergency to save the life of the mother. Um, it's, that is, that is not a scientifically, you, in, in no other medical practice, do they kill one person to save another person? You don't do that. That's not, that's not called medical. Um, it, that's not, a doctor doesn't do that. You don't kill, you don't go in and kill some people to try to save other people. That's not how it works. 
Yeah. So let me just, uh, well, yeah, let, you know what, since you brought it up, let's just show them that quote here and then we'll get right into a couple Bible verses. So here we have uh, C. Everett Koop. Uh, he was a U.S. Surgeon General from 1982 to 1989. He said, in my 36 years in pediatric surgery, I've never known of one instance where the child had to be aborted to save the mother's life. It's really an absurd argument. The idea that in order to save the mother's life, you have to kill the baby. That's never the case. That's literally never the case. If the baby is gonna be in a complicated birth, then you can do a cesarean section and move that kid who might be a preemie into the NICU. And there's all kinds of stuff we can try to do to save that baby, okay, if we need to take it out of the mother pre prematurely. But you, <laughs> you don't murder the baby to try to save the mother's life. It's just ridiculous. The argument so, literally does not exist on earth anywhere. So if that argument was logical and what I've said, mm -hmm. that, said is then isn't there times where a mother's health is possibly going to put the baby's life at risk. So should we kill the mother to save the baby? Well, oh. nobody would agree that we should ever kill the mother to save the baby, but we can kill the baby to save the mother, supposedly. And, yeah. and like you said, and there's doctors out there that are saying this this never happens. This mm -hmm. is this has never happened. It doesn't happen. This is literally just a political argument that's being made for it. Yeah. So can I jump into uh, uh, yeah, some Bible absolutely. ideas? I'm Okay, so as far as Bible arguments, where I want to start is kind of with a whole bunch of Bible verses. So we're, we're going to be Bible heavy today. So if you don't have your Bible with you, um, listen to this again with it present or write the verses down now and look them up later. Okay, so the first idea <clears throat> is that we have this period of time that roughly spans 40 weeks, that is from conception to birth. Anyone who is a parent knows that this timeline is about 40 weeks. It's not actually 40 weeks, but it's very close to that. So <clears throat> there are not too many people debating the morality or the legality of ending the life after the baby has been born. That's really not up for debate. That's, it's certainly that's, not. That's 10 years down the road, really, before <laughs> yeah, that becomes a yeah, mainstream yeah. argument. Give, give it a little bit of time and someone will bring that up. Okay. So the debate all comes down to this period of time. And really what it comes down to is the point of life. Now, keep in mind, we're going to talk about logical arguments. We're going to, we're going to beat up on the stupid liberal arguments that they make for their pro-death uh, stance. Right now, we're talking Bible. So we're talking to Christians. And if you're not a Christian, then you probably don't believe the Bible to be God's word. And you probably don't believe that we have to obey what the Bible says. But if you're a Christian and you do believe the Bible, then this is what's important. Because in this period from conception till birth, somewhere in there, it is life. Now, the first thing we need to see is that God considers conception, the 40 weeks of pregnancy, and the birth of the baby to all be one event. Okay, conception, pregnancy, and birth is all one event. And here I'm going to bring up a uh, picture, you know, to help you see this, because what we find throughout the Bible is that God uses the term conceived and born. OK, 
Okay, we hear the, the term conceived and born. Now bear with me, here we go. Ba, ba, ba. I'm gonna show that. And there it is. Okay, so we see it 28 times in the Bible in Genesis 4, 1 and verse 17 and Genesis 21, 29 and Exodus and Judges and 1 Samuel in 2 Kings and 1 Chronicles and Isaiah all the way through to the minor prophets in the book of Hosea. We see that God talks about the woman conceived and bore the child. So God sees this whole period as one big event. He does not believe that a woman conceives and then somewhere along the way it becomes a baby. We don't know when, so that's why we argue it. And then, oh, look at that. Uh, now comes the period uh, which is the event of the birth. That is not the way that God sees it. God sees it as conception and birth is all one event. So the Bible goes over just verse after verse after verse, and you always hear that term again and again and again. Okay, so then what we move into is... <clears throat> now, can, and, I can I throw in oh, one please thing on jump, this as far no, as no, God's jump standard in, on and, when yeah, it becomes yeah. a human? Yeah, and then All I'm right. going to look up some verses for that. So go ahead. Go ahead. So if, if you look in um, Exodus 21 and verse 22... Um, it says, if men strife and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him and he shall pay as the judges determine. Um, this was, um, and I should have pulled up the more than just that verse, but here right. is talking about if, um, if somebody gets punched and they're pregnant and they have a miscarriage or the baby dies, that it is considered a, a, a human life it's considered manslaughter or murder um mm -hmm. and the argument now is made well it's not a human it's just it's just a lump of tissue um we have in the united states a, a law that goes along with this biblical law which is the unborn victims of violence act and this was passed in 2004 in the united states and it recognizes an embryo or fetus um, as a legal victim, if they are injured or killed during the commission of any of over 60 listed federal crimes of violence, the law defines child in utero as a member of the species Homo sapiens. It the law defines it as a human at any stage of development who is carried in the womb. So this is the United States law um, as represented in the Unborn's Victims of Violence Act. So it's illegal and you are charged with a do double homicide if you kill a pregnant woman but mm -hmm. you can murder the baby and it's not a human. If you okay, have so a license as a baby killer, what do they call them? Abortion <laughs> doctors. Yeah. You okay, can be a so serial killer and it's legal only if you have a license to be a serial baby killer in the US. But if you don't, then you get charged because it's a human. All of a sudden it's a human if you don't have a license to be a serial baby killer. Okay, so <clears throat> Caleb brought up a, a, a good verse that Co coincides with the laws in America. And, and this is going to get into a logical argument. So I'm just going to hit this really quickly and then move on. So what is the difference between the law Caleb read in Exodus, the law we have in the United States, and the time when it is okay to murder the unborn? The only difference is the desire and the will 
of the mother. Okay, so we're going to look at that because there is nowhere else in the world where we bring it down to one person. Because if the mother has a desire to have the child, well, then it's a double homicide. When you get drunk and you run into that car and you kill the mother and the unborn baby, it's a double homicide. But if the mother decides that I don't want to have the baby, well, then we just have to pay some doctor it's not a, a human fee. Right. You got it. It's no longer a human. It has no value. Okay, it has no rights, and, and it all comes down to the will of the mother. Okay, so let me give you four verses really quickly to go along with what Caleb is saying, just to make sure that you don't think, oh, there's only one spot in the Bible, and it's in the Old Testament, and we know that doesn't count because that's the stupidest argument a Christian could ever use. Okay, but we're going to give you lots of verses, Old and New Testament, showing you that every time a woman conceives, it is a baby. Baby. Okay, the first one we're going to find is in Genesis chapter 16, verse 11, and we read, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son. Okay, you're not with a fetus, you're not with some pregnancy tissue, you are with a child. And that is when Ishmael is born to Hagar, Sarah, Abraham's wife's handmaid. Then we move on and we get to Genesis 25. And I think this one has to do with when Rebecca is pregnant in Genesis chapter 25, verse 22. And the children struggled together within her because remember she had twins and the children struggled together within her. And she Are said, you sure that wasn't a mistranslation. Maybe it was the lumps of <laughs> tissue. The fetuses the struggled within had her. an issue with each other. Yeah. Okay. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. So again, the plural is children. So when you're pregnant with twins, it's not one child, it's two children. Okay. Then we move forward to the story of Samson. And this is in Judges. You're fine. And this is in Judges chapter 13. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come on his head for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. Okay. That also goes to show that God had a plan for us before we were even born. And, and there are direct verses that say that in the book of Jeremiah, but we're not going to get into every verse. We're just going to hit a bunch of them. And then finally in Luke chapter one, verse uh, 44, and this is talking about um, I believe it's when Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, goes to, or no, sorry, Elizabeth, Mary's sister, goes to visit her, and we find out that the Lord Jesus is going to be here. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. Again, so we see that they are babies, okay? They are children. They are, uh, life starts at conception. If you don't believe that, that's fine, but understand that's what God believes. And that's why he wrote that in the book over and over and over and over and over again, okay? Is because God says that life begins at conception. And there are dozens of verses to support that. Okay. So, um, Caleb, the next thing I wanted to go over as far as Bible verses, do you have a way to quickly look up verses? Can you look up Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, and I'm just going to explain it and uh, 
looks like you froze. So you might be down for the count. Okay, so the second thing that we want to get into and make mention of here is that God <clears throat> knows us and has a plan for us before we are even born. And there's two uh, Bible verses that very clearly uh, explain this to us, and we're going to look those up right now. The first one is Jeremiah uh, chapter 1, verse 5. And the second one, Caleb, if you want to look up Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1. Okay, so right. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And that was God talking to the prophet Jeremiah. So, so God had a plan. He knew Jeremiah. It implies that he obviously knows all of us and has a plan for us prior to us even being born. What and was the, the reference second, in Isaiah? It was. It, it keeps breaking up. My connection isn't great here. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1. All right, hopefully this holds out on me, uh, the connection. I Hopefully my Wi-Fi is good here. So it says, listen, O coastlands to me, and take heed, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the matrix of my mother. He has made mention of my name. Okay, uh, so again, we see that God knew us before we were born and had a plan for us. And that's the idea that God uh, considers us his and valuable prior to birth. Okay, Caleb, you want to jump in here with yeah, any so, ideas? Um, a couple of thoughts that I have here. So what do you say to the, to the people that believe that everything is predestined? What would they say about aborted babies? Yeah. <laughs> that they were... Yeah. Sure. Uh, it was uh, God predestined God never, them to be nope, aborted. God, yep, you got it. God didn't have a plan. No idea. Remember, uh, you know, the, the my the, the funniest t-shirt I've uh, ever seen, it said, uh, Calvinism, some lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I guess if those that were predestined for... for um, yeah, to burn Ill, in hell. Yeah, yep. They, they might as well just they might as well get it over with quick. Oh, <laughs> uh, you were saying a few minutes ago something else. I thought it was kind of random, but um, yeah, you're saying a few minutes ago about how the uh, gestation period in women being consistent that we kind of have this 40 weeks that's consistent all the way across the board. So we mm -hmm. had some friends that were um, in Pennsylvania, and they they went back there. I think they were from Assembly of God. And they'd gone back to Pennsylvania and they were driving 15 passenger vans for the Amish. Mm -hmm. And um, you know what? I'm getting two stories mixed up. So we had, we had friends that moved back there <laughs> to drive 15 passenger vans to, to cart the, the Amish around because they don't drive. Um, another friend of mine that lives back there had a friend and, and he gave tours of Amish country and he drove buses or vans around giving people mm -hmm. tours of Amish country. And all and the so excitement that you can see yeah exactly country. so he has this group of people in the in the van with them and they see some uh, this amish couple walking down the street and she's pregnant and mm -hmm. uh, the people in the van asked and the tourists asked so how long are how long are amish women pregnant for <laughs> and he was like oh 11 months just like elephants <laughs> 
because they have to do everything. They have to work way harder at everything they do yeah. to make it the same as us. It's they're they're way they're behind the times. They still have Hank Crank washers. <laughs> oh brother. Anyways. Uh, okay. I, I thought of that when you said that it's it's forty weeks, <laughs> forty week gestation. I was like, well, unless you're Amish. Okay, I'm going to give you another verse here. Uh, this is found in Psalm 127, verse three. Uh, it says, "Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward." Now, Caleb, I'm going to give you an idea here, and I want you to tell me if I'm crazy. I have always believed that the Bible explains that children are the property of God mm-hmm. and he lends them to parents. They're a heritage. It is something that he gives to us for a period of time and makes us the steward over them. And he expects them back in good condition. It is our job. He gives them to us and we are to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, and they are to grow up and they are to get saved and love God and serve God. And something that's important for me to always remember as a father is that, Patrick, they're not your kids. They're God's kids. Okay, you got to take care of them. You got to treat them right. You got to discipline them. You got to train them. You got to treat them the way God wants you to treat them because he's watching and they are his. Tell me if that's a crazy idea. No, that's um, that's not a crazy idea. And I'm not sure if I was trying to think if there's other uh, Bible passages that go along with supporting that. But the the first thing that comes to to mind that would biblically support that interpretation of children being a heritage, an inheritance from the Lord, a heritage of the Lord, um, is in Genesis. It says that we were created in the image of God that he created us in his image. So we are, um, we are sons and daughters of God. Ultimately, uh, earthly parents die and, and move on and you don't have them anymore, but you're still a son of God. So we are, we are dealing with God's creation and we're dealing with, um, humans are different from any other animal or species. We have, we have a living soul where God has breathed his breath into us. We have a sovereign nature, just like God. I mean, not that we are God, but he's put a bit of his sovereign nature in us and he's created us in his image. And so when, when you take the life of a human, it's something that's sacred, Uh, whether they're unborn or they're born, you are taking the life of one of God's children, not um, your own it's not your own child and I, I like that that the way that you put that you know he's he lends us the children and and really they return back to him okay so here's another one for you Caleb I'm not sure if you're aware of this but um, in the in the culture of the nation of Israel going all the way back to the time of Moses they believed that when you murder a man you destroy a nation. And they always believed that murder was so bad because it not only takes the life of that man, which we know God is the life giver and God is the only one that is allowed to take life. Now he gives that right over to humans in three instances. And he says, humans are allowed to take life in three cases. One is capital crimes. There is to be a capital punishment. Number two, 
in the case of war, okay, God commanded all the time to go to war and defend yourself against your enemies or attack your enemies. And then number three, in the case of self-defense, if, if someone is trying to kill you, you are allowed to defend your life. Okay, so now, <clears throat> um, oh boy, what was I just saying before that? I just lost my train of thought. Uh, where God, the only exception to the fact that God gives life and takes life is that we're allowed That's to, right. to kill. Okay, so, so God is the life giver. And, and he is the creator of life. And that's the first role that we see God have in the Bible is of creator. And that's why life is so precious and it is never acceptable to take a life except for the instances where God grants it. And we see in the Bible again and again and again that it is a baby upon conception. It is a baby through the process of... Um, uh, the gestation period, and it is a baby when it is born. And it is no different that it is terrible to kill a man, you destroy a nation. It is the same with the child, because we have no idea uh, how many children that child would have, the great things that child could do. You are destroying more than just one life. That's the idea that is run through the nation of Israel and their their belief on life from the time of Moses all the way up until today. Something that's um, interesting to me about the, the legal situation that we're at in, in America, there is great concern, um, especially, especially on the left, especially by those who promote abortion, there is, they seem to go to great lengths to show their concern at equality and making sure that everyone has a proper representation, making sure that, um, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of demographic that you fall into, if you're some sort of a minority, that nobody has any limit to justice um, or protections. And yet they're the same people that are, are robbing, uh, the unborn has no advocate in America, mm -hmm. there's no there's no legal justice system to to, mm -hmm. uh, to um, serve any kind of justice. There's nothing, no, nobody to speak up for them. Um, they have they have no rights. It's not like they have a chance to defend themselves. They're not old enough to, to defend themselves. They're completely defenseless, innocent, and nobody there to protect them. And the laws don't protect them. In Proverbs 31 verse eight, it says, "Open your mouth." Uh, let's see. Open, open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. And if you look in um, Job, Job said that he rescued the poor and cried out. Um, he cried out for the fatherless who had no helper. That's Job 29, 12. And um, you look at, at this as a, as a Christian, and I think that we are commanded um, here in Proverbs, we're commanded to speak up for for these unborn babies. And people get tired of hearing about the abortion topic. It's old hat. It's the law of the land. Just shut up and move on. You know, that's kind of the attitude that you get from a lot of people about it. And yet we have we have no they have no represent no representation as, as yeah. an unborn baby. They have there's no there's no recourse for them. They can't they can't even they can't even utter a word to say, please don't. There's nothing they can do. It's true. There's no more of a vulnerable class of people than the unborn. And just like you said, we are willing to go to court to protect moths and ducks and 
foliage, trees and bushes that we believe are important to the environment, but uh, we are not willing to put in the same effort to save the unborn who has, as you said, no advocate. Okay, so I, if, I, if I could, yeah, I wanted to get one or two more ideas here in uh, from the Bible, and then I wanted to go over one or two logical arguments that we see come up, because a lot of Christians are going to run into these arguments, and I want them to have an answer. So I, I feel like if we don't cover at least three or four of these logical arguments, we're not going to leave the Christians equipped, because when they talk, hopefully not argue, not yell at, not throw things at, but talk with their friends of a differing opinion, we want them to be able to put forth a sound, logical argument that will hopefully get the other person thinking. Because as we know, we all have some friends who don't believe the Bible, and using the Bible and quoting chapter and verse doesn't get us very far. Um, <clears throat> you know, so uh, the one thing I wanted to bring up, Caleb, was going back to the book of Exodus. At one point, the nation of Israel was growing too fast, and the number of Jews was overwhelming uh, the nation of Egypt. And they said, they, they commanded the midwives, and they said, if it is a male baby, then you are to kill him. Okay, I believe they wanted him to throw him into the Nile and drown him. And it said in Exodus 1.17, the midwives did not kill the male babies. Do you know why? Because they feared God. Okay, the Christian who wants to fear God and obey God because they love God would never kill one of his children. They would go against the law of the land and and possibly suffer the punishment of a capital crime a direct disobeying of the order of pharaoh the king of egypt in order to preserve life okay because they loved god and they feared god they refused to kill the babies they saved the lives of the babies okay um can i jump into liberal argument number one sure Okay, now, first of all, Caleb, when I say liberal argument, what do you think of? Do you want the visual? Oh, I mean, whatever, you know, I mean, what comes to mind? I just want to define our terms a little bit. Well, I'm, I'm visualizing a social justice warrior on a college campus with purple hair and a tie-dye t-shirt. Okay. With signs um, screaming about mother's rights. Anyways. So... When I, when I say liberal argument, what I mean is an argument that is not born of facts and logic. It is an emotionally driven argument that ha does not have a leg to stand on. Right. So tell me if you've ever heard this argument come your way, okay? Liberal argument number one. The unborn is not a person. And therefore, we can kill it. It's not a person, Caleb. Have you ever heard that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, I, and I would say that that is 
across the board whenever you're trying to wipe out a race or a specific mm-hmm. that's the dehumanization <laughs> is the first tactic i mean that's that's a popular one just, oh no that's yeah. not humans that's nope. that's denial yep don't let's not forget that in 1939 the jews living in poland were not considered human the german supreme court passed a law stating that jews were not people in the legal sense okay uh before they rounded them up and brought them to camps and worked them to death and killed them. So they they passed a law, which is why at the for their war crimes in Nuremberg, they all stood up and said, "We were just following orders. We didn't break any laws." That right. was their argument. So just remember that when you who are in authority get the urge to say the same thing, the only time you have to use that argument is when you are acting as a tyrant, trampling on somebody's rights. We're just obeying the law. We're not doing anything wrong. Okay, so liberal argument number one, the unborn is not a person. Okay, Caleb, let me ask you this. Does that mean that the unborn child has no value or no rights? So let's assume it's not a person. Right. Does that mean that the unborn does not have value or rights. Well, that's obviously their argument. Okay. So now let me ask you this. Are there living creatures who are not human, who have value <laughs> right. and who have rights? Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we give, we give way more rights to animals. I mean, didn't you at one point get charged with a felony for shooting a dog that bit your child's face? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I did. One, my five-year-old little boy got attacked by a pit bull, put him in the hospital with 19 stitches in his face, and I shot and killed the dog. And they asked me in court, uh, amongst a million other things, if I regretted my actions, and my answer is the same today as it was then. The only regret I have is that I didn't get to kill that dog twice. <laughs> Now, animals who are not human have value and have rights. We can't say just because it's not a person in the mother's womb that it doesn't have value or that it doesn't have rights. As a matter of fact, when the mother decides that she wants the baby all of society rallies around her and says that it now has infinite value. How much money, Caleb, would hospitals spend in order to try to save the life of a baby who was born that the mother wants? There are complications. Maybe the baby is born prematurely. What is the dollar amount that the hospitals in the United States will stop giving that baby care. Do you know what the dollar amount is? Nothing. Yep, it's infinite. They will never stop trying to save the life of that baby. Okay, so let's go on to liberal argument number two. Caleb, it's the right of the mother. The mother has the right to end her child's life under any circumstances, for any reason, at any time in her pregnancy. How does that sit with you? 
well, that really blows apart the argument of the fact that, well, um, at a certain point you can abort the baby, but not later on in the pregnancy. The legal system, as uh, the U.S. legal system at the federal level, supports abortion, period. As long as it's mm -hmm. still in the womb, mm -hmm. you can kill it. And honestly, Caleb, if I were pro-death, if I was pro-baby murder, mm -hmm. I would be pro-baby murder all the way up until, you know, that woman is about to push. Because why not? If it's not a person, then kill it whenever you want. I don't see the big deal about first try, you know, first uh, uh, trimester, third trimester, late term, midterm, you know, pre-rapture, post-rapture, whatever you want, right? What does it matter? Okay. <clears throat> Logically speaking, if it's not a baby, it's not a baby. But Caleb, let me ask you this. If the mother does want the baby and someone decides they want to kill the unborn, what would happen to that person? Someone tries to kill the unborn against the mother's will. It would yeah, be attempted murder. Right. It would be attempted murder. So are is what we're saying that it is only when the mother does not want the unborn to live, then the unborn has no worth. Does that make sense to you? No, obviously not. Either the unborn has worth or it does not. There's plenty of parents that don't think their children are worth having around, want to give them up for adoption. Just because the parent doesn't think the child is worth having doesn't make the child worth killing. You got it. After the child is born, society says no one's allowed to kill that child. We don't care what the mom says, what the dad says, what anybody says. Okay, so it, it goes against all logic and reasoning that that decision, which dictates the value of the unborn, rests solely on the whim of the mother. Does she feel like having that baby? If not, society says it has no value. If she does want it, then it has infinite value. Okay, so let's move on to logical argue, or I'm sorry, not logical argument, liberal argument number three. Now, this one is my favorite. There is nothing I want more to come out of the mouth of a liberal when I'm talking about abortion than this next one. There is nothing that can make a pro-death liberal sound more stupid than what I'm about to say. A woman has the right to control her own body. Did you ever hear that one, Caleb? Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, literally, no one is arguing that point. There is not one Christian, there is not one Bible thumper out there that is arguing that point. Of course, a woman has the right to do what she wants with her own body. The problem is that the unborn is not her body. It is a separate body that is inside the mother's body. Now, Caleb, when you see a pregnant woman at your church, do you go up to her 
and say, how's your body doing this morning? No. When you want to ask about the unborn, you say, how's the baby doing? Right. Because everybody on earth differentiates between the woman's body and the baby's body inside her body. The woman right. can do whatever she wants to herself. If the woman wants to kill herself, we cannot stop her. But she does not have the right to take the life of anybody else, not without due process. That's the way the laws are set up. That's the problem with the abortion laws in this country. The abortion laws, Caleb, which, by the way, were put into law when we all had black and white televisions. That was the furthest that the medical profession and science, as we know it, had advanced. Right. And for all the groups that are all about whatever science says, and we got to go with what science says, and science is the answer to everything. Well, how about we revisit all the things we've learned since that landmark case of Roe v. Wade, right? Let's get the newest discoveries out there about when the baby actually has a heart and when the baby has fingernails and when the baby feels pain. Caleb, did you know that a death row inmate who was convicted of a capital crime, murder, rape, torture, all of these terrible things where society says it's so bad, we just need to get rid of them. Do you know that in order to execute that death row inmate, the law says that he is not allowed to even feel discomfort, not pain, discomfort and during almost, the execution. And almost every death row inmate is given multiple court hearings, federal court hearings, Supreme Court hearings, appealing their death sentence because they think that somehow the way they're dying might be inhumane. And yet they can go in with tongs and tweezers and scissors and metal tools and, and rip a baby yep. apart limb by limb. Yep. And if you don't realize this is how it happens, get online and watch the videos because you can oh, watch yeah. videos of it happening. And they rip them apart with the beating heart in them and they pull them yep. out of the, of the mother, vacuum them out. Okay, do you know how many appeals a death row inmate is allowed by law? What's that? No, I don't do you know. know an infinite amount. Wow. Why do men die of old age on death row? Because there is appeal after appeal after appeal. And the baby gets no advocate to speak out for it. Okay, so... <clears throat> This liberal argument that the mother can do whatever she wants with her own body would compare the killing of the unborn to the extraction of a tooth from the mother. Does that make sense to you? It's her own body. Right. She can do whatever she wants with it. Does that make sense? No. No, nope. there's no logic to the argument, obviously. Does science support that? 
Not even close. Right. Okay. We know when babies can feel pain. We know when they have a beating heart. And all of these things are ignored, not because of scientific evidence, not because of the discoveries we have in medicine, but because it has been politicized. Okay, so the last thing that I want to bring up, and and Caleb, please jump in anytime. I'm just kind of rolling here. I, I don't yeah, want no, to, I, you know, okay, you jump in when I'll, you when you when you want to here. The last thing I would tell everyone to do is to ask their liberal friend in support, you know, of murdering babies, whoever is pro-death. I would ask that you say to them, is an abortion ever immoral? Is there ever a time when an abortion is immoral? What if the mother aborts her unborn daughter because she wants a son? Is that immoral? See, the problem is they can't say yes, because if there's ever a case that it's immoral, then you kind of end up turning around and boom, running right into yourself and the argument that you were just spewing out. Okay, what about this one? What if, Caleb, one day science were able to determine the child's sexual preferences when they become an adult? Would it be moral to abort a homosexual child if the parent wanted a straight one or vice versa? Would that be immoral? You got to well, ask your liberal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, all, see, all no, of a sudden you got some yeah, problems. Exactly. Okay, so. Well, it is either immoral because the unborn has value and should have rights, or it is never immoral and you can do whatever you want. After all, it's no different than extracting a tooth or getting a haircut because it's not a baby. So I've been to a few, um, well, last, last year I was at the March for Life in Washington, D.C., which uh, President Trump was there and he spoke at the at the rally. And uh, that was the first sitting president of the U.S. to actually show up and uh, and be there. I've been to a few other uh, here in Texas. I've been to a few rallies at the Capitol. And uh, it's very educational when you go to these places, because uh, especially especially the state capitol or at the at the capital of the U.S., there are hundreds and hundreds of abortion survivors that show up to these places and they speak and they tell their story and they tell about how they either as a mother of a, uh, a failed abortion or as the baby of a, of a failed abortion. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of problems that happen. There's a lot of things that happen to women during abortion to the mothers. They say it should be a woman's right to choose. Um since we started this podcast tonight, there's statistically two and a half women have died from medical malpractice or from a, a complication during abortion every hour, two and a half women. Um, and so you have, you have these arguments being made that it's for the sake of the mother. Somehow you're going to save the mother because, you know, through the, through the abortion, the, the statistics that are out there completely destroy the argument. If you want to, I was in a, a, at an apologetics conference last year and I went to, there was a pro-life speaker that, that gave some of the, the best ways for Christians to speak truth about abortion and to, and to argue against it. And, and he said, 
learn the facts because the facts speak for themselves. The Bible has a few things to say about it. The Bible is very clear. It's a human. It's a life. But the facts are astounding. It is horrendous. It is barbaric. Um, and I have here. So since since we started this podcast tonight in the last hour, well, here in three minutes, it'll be in one hour, 5,208 abortions per hour worldwide happen. 5,000 babies have died while we're sitting here talking. This is old hat. We're used to it. We don't think that much of it. It's just another number. It's just, it's not that big of a deal. It's just more statistics. Um, Each of these abortions costs thousands of dollars. Um, Oftentimes it's paid for by the taxpayer. It's not paid for by the mother. It's subsidized in different ways. These abortions cost money. If that money was, was put into, um, uh, people that actually, you know, pregnancy centers, people that care for the children, there's amazing things that could be done with that money. Um, if each of those children was given a thousand dollars or a couple thousand dollars, um, and that doesn't count for any, uh, medical procedures that, that come up as a result of the abortion, if, if the mother needs extra care. So you have, you have some really, really, uh, startling, that's 60, 60 mothers every day that die from dur- during an abortion. How can you say that somehow that we're going to save mothers' lives or that this should be a mother's right to have an abortion when the process, the, the, uh, the odds of ever running across a situation like doctors have said, they, they don't run across situations where they have to kill the baby to save the mother's life. Um, the, the statistics blow up the arguments that are made for abortion. Um, it's just... It's, uh, I had an abortion clock up here, but I guess I can't stick it in, so I won't. Um, but if you go to, it's worldometers.info, uh, uh, you can look up an abortion clock. And it sits there, and it, it, it counts up about two, two or three abortions per second. And I've put that abortion clock up and just let it run on my computer for my children to see before. And oftentimes they sit there and stare at it for a little while and they end up in tears because it doesn't take an educated person to realize this is a, um, this is a, what would you call it? it it's, it's a genocide and it's happening before our eyes. It's happening around us and it, it's, uh, it's appalling. So that's that's what I would say to somebody that um, if you if you want to know how to how to make arguments against abortion or if you want to if you want to know how to talk to somebody that is uh, argument argument for abortion, learn some of the facts, because the facts uh, of what happens during abortion. um, I watched a a movie last year. We actually met. uh, Well, both the actor and the woman that used to be the director of Planned Parenthood in Texas. Um, She is now an, a, a pro-life advocate. And, and then they, they the made a movie the book, called the name. Yeah. The name of the book is called unplanned unplanned. Yeah. I've not read the Johnson. book. Yeah. Happy Johnson. Yep. Yeah. So I've not read the book. I've watched the movie. Um, it is, <clears throat> it is graphic, um, but it's worth watching. And I think that oftentimes a lot of Christians are too nice and too, uh, prim and proper to get concerned about something that's messy like this. And they don't even want to, they don't even want to see the footage. I've heard people say, Oh, I, that's too gruesome. I don't want to watch it. Um, when I've gone to the rallies, they oftentimes will have big screen TVs on the street corners in Washington, DC. They'll have big screen mm-hmm. TVs up there playing videos of babies being aborted. 
playing videos of them being ripped apart limb by limb. And I, as a grown man, have a hard time not turning my head the other way. I don't even want to see it. We, we want to put it away. And, and it's a lot like the Jews during the Holocaust. Um, they were the, the Germans didn't want to know German Christians didn't want to know what was going on in the concentration camps. They were just like, we'll go to church over here and worship in peace, let them do their thing over there. And we're just going to keep to ourselves, mind our own business. And it's not, it's, what happens over there happens over there. We don't want to know about it. Don't show it to us. That's the same thing that I see with Christians that don't want to see the messy footage. Um, I was I was blessed that um, with Mike Pence and Donald Trump during their administration, they were not afraid to call it like it was. You know, they they talked about ripping the babies from the mother's womb, and it was it was talked about as as killing babies rather than abortion. Um, and and they shed some light on it. I I found that people are more. Um, feel a little bit more emboldened to actually speak out on the issue now than they did before. Do you know where that term comes from? Ripping the baby from the mother's womb. That's no, found in that? second. That's found in second Kings. Oh, wow. That's a Bible term because that is what the uh, pagan nations. That's what the Assyrians would do to those that they conquered. Wow. They would go around and they would cut the mothers open and pull the babies from their womb and throw them on the ground. That's how they would kill the mothers and the babies of the the nations that they conquered. Wow. Um, If you go to uh, Leviticus chapter 18, verse 21, um, here we see that, that, and this is over and over again in the Old Testament. But it says, uh, and thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of, the, of thy God. I am the Lord. Um, other versions you know, say, you shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech. It was, they were causing the children, they were throwing the children into the fire and giving them up as, as child sacrifices. And this is something that apparently Satan gets a kick out of this because it's been going on since the beginning of humanity. It's still going on today. It's just been repackaged into a, into a way that we can uh, somehow think that it's morally acceptable to have this go on because it's done in a, it's done in a medical uh, facility. And the, one of the arguments that's oftentimes made for this um, that you didn't bring up, Patrick, um, oftentimes I hear them say, well, we have to, we have to keep abortion legal. Otherwise it's going to happen illegally in a back alley where they're going to use crude methods and it's going to mm-hmm. be unsanitary and the mother's life is going to be at risk. It's going to be um, somehow, okay. you know, and so, yeah, what's what's the counter argument to that? Okay, so what other procedures are we saying we have, no matter how hard they are, we're saying we have to make them legal because if they're not legal, they're going to happen anyhow and they're going to be terrible. Well, again, you know, and I, and I hate to keep bringing up Nazi Germany, the National Socialist right. Movement, you know, and what they did. But guess what? They had uh, forced vasectomies of groups of people that they didn't want to have to breed, which was anyone who was physically handicapped, anyone who was mentally retarded, uh, whole groups of people, because we didn't want them to be able to uh, reproduce. Okay, Caleb, let me ask you this. Do you know the very first person killed by the Nazis? Do not.
Okay. <clears throat> Let's see if I can find it without going in too far. You know what? I can just tell you the story and maybe the name of the child will come to me. I've gone over this before. Okay. The very first um, casualty of the Nazi party was a child born in Germany who I believe had only, he had no arms or legs and the baby was born deaf and blind. If he had any appendages, it was maybe only one, but keep in mind, the facts are a little fuzzy because I'm pulling this up from memory. The state decided that it would be a hardship on the parents for this child to live and that this child would not have the quality of life that children should have and therefore it should be killed. And do you know who performed their very first Nazi execution? A doctor. Wow. And do you know the first group that was executed by the Nazis? It wasn't the Jews. It wasn't the blacks. It wasn't the Orientals. It wasn't the gypsies. They were the crippled and the elderly. They would have gas trucks, box trucks, back up to the loading docks in the hospitals, and the doctors would wheel in the invalids in wheelchairs. They would walk out, close the door. They would gas them. They would roll open the door, and they would just push them out of the wheelchair and take the wheelchair back into the hospital. It was the doctors who were the first to execute people based on the Nazis' orders. And well, you don't go to Washington, think, Washington State now, and, they, and they're they're almost there. You can go yep. to the hospital in Washington State and get killed if you if you want to have assisted suicide. Yep. So, um, yeah, that's that would be. Uh, there was a few more of these that I was going to bring up as far as arguments that are made for um, for abortion that um, that I've run across. So, I was in, and, and this happens frequently. I would say probably at least two or three times a week, I have people that call me out in Facebook groups or different discussions that I, um, oftentimes I'll, I, I see people in discussions on Facebook where the abortion topic comes up and they get attacked ruthlessly and they have very little to say back. You know, they're a Christian and they finally stuck their neck out for the first time and they say something pro-life and their mm -hmm. friends attack them. Mm -hmm. And it and they and, and, and oftentimes they kind of just hunker down or they'll delete their posts because they don't really know what to say. It catches them off guard. One of the, and I don't know for sure why, but this has become, I would say in the last year, one of the most prevalent arguments that I've heard um, where they try to shut you down and shame you as if you are, you are the immoral person. They'll say Christians cannot argue against abortion unless they do more to adopt. Like unless you're willing to personally adopt all the unwanted babies, then you can't argue and say that abortion is wrong. You can't be pro-life unless you're pro-adoption and Christians don't do enough for adoptions, which um, is statistically, I'll just let you know if this ever comes up, if you're listening to this, po this podcast, Okay, we lost Caleb. Uh, he was frozen there, so uh, I apologize for that. It sounded like he was just about to make a really good point. So um, the story that I just told you about, I'm putting up here in the comments. 
Um, you can look up and do your own homework on this. You don't have to believe me. It was called Patient K. So the first one to die was a five-month-old baby boy called Gerard Kreshmar and often referred to as Patient K. The baby, I believe, was born in uh, 1939, and we believe he was killed by lethal injection, although I'm not seeing if that was uh, confirmed. And the reason that uh, they killed him was because, you know, they called the baby a monster, okay, because uh, the baby was born with several physical deformities and they didn't want to have to deal with that. They didn't want the parents to have to deal with that. And they thought that it would be a drain on society and then a drain on the medical system. So they decided the best thing to do was to uh, kill him. So <clears throat> then after that, and I'm going to read briefly, Polish patients were the first to be targeted soon after the Nazi conquest of the country. Across Poland, asylums were emptied by members of the SS and the patient shot. It wasn't long before a more cost-efficient method of killing the physically and mentally ill was being sought out. And as early as December of 1939, patients were being gassed to death. Heinrich Himmler witnessed one such gassing. He liked what he saw, and gassing would later become the extermination method of choice during the final solution. So there you have it. It's not hard to look these stories up and find this information. Do your own homework. Look up Patient K. Uh, look up how the Nazis used doctors as the first assassins um, and mass murderers of whole groups of people in Poland and Germany and elsewhere. And do not think for a second that those things cannot happen again. Real quick, if you don't believe me, go ahead and look up stories in Belgium, the country of Belgium over in Europe, and how you can actually, um, you can appeal the courts to kill your baby up to so many months old. So even after the baby is born in other countries, there are still provisions for if you feel like you made a mistake and the child is physically handicapped or they are unable to, you know, uh, their nose is crooked, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, well, and, and really that's what it gets down to. It's like, okay, well, at what point why not just take it one step further? Because if we're already going to throw out the sanctity of life, well, I, I want a child with brown hair and I got one with red hair. And therefore I, you know, I think we should be able to, you know, to kill this one or. Yeah. I want the, girls and I want a girl and yeah. I got a boy. Yeah. The baby is perfectly healthy, you know, but he looks slightly like, you know, the pool boy who comes and trims our bushes and, and, and keeps our pool clean. So, you know, that's a little suspect. So I think the safest thing to do is just to get rid of that one. And me and my wife can try to have another one that doesn't look like the, the mailman, you know, I mean, come up, where's the line? If we're going to step over the line and throw it out, then you know, why not throw it out? The whole, And Caleb, here's the thing, okay? Let's say that we have, um, let's say that a, a woman has a terrible scenario where, where she gets violently raped and she gets beat up and she she's pregnant and she decides to keep the baby. And then the baby, you know, is five months old and, and all of a sudden she's in the kitchen and she has some PTSD. And while she has a knife, she turns around and stabs the baby and kills the baby. Does she go to jail? Yes. Okay. What about if she did that, um, let's say 
when the baby was five weeks old? Does she go to jail? Yes. What about five days old? Yes. Five minutes old? Yes. What about five days before the baby's born? Uh, no. See, at she, what... Well, She technically wouldn't, even though it would be an illegal abortion. There still wouldn't be... I, I don't think that there's much for consequences here. Sure. And, and we're all aware that if your baby is born premature by a week, there it doesn't go to the NICU. It goes home with you. There's nothing wrong with a baby that's born, you know, five days early. That's no big deal. Okay. Right. So, well, at what point do we say that it's not human? What about five weeks before it's born or five months before it's born? Or, you know, the, the point is take your pick, but you run into a logical problem when you're, when you're trying to establish a timeline, it's either a baby or it's not. And, and the mother's desire doesn't matter. And your and my opinion doesn't matter. Okay. What matters is what God said. God's the creator of life. And he said, upon conception, it's a baby and that's the end of it. And anything else you try to do, you jump on a really steep, scary, slippery slope where all of a sudden you're giving permission to one person to make a decision to murder a baby. And all you have to do, you, okay, well, what's the next logical step? See, the next logical step gets scary in a hurry. And it's coming right around the corner. Like you said, give it a little bit of time. And that's what we're, we're you know, when the abortion argument and the, the fight for uh, abortion and pro-life and pro-death people is going to stop when you're allowed to kill kids up to five years old. Right. <laughs> we're not going to be concerned about abortion anymore because we're going to have a new battle. And it's not that far away. No, I mean, and, we've already got stupid politicians in this country that have um, have not only advocated are advocating for uh, partial birth abortion, but post birth abortion. You know, two, two or three hours old. We'll just start there, and then we'll go to two or three weeks. And you know, yeah. there there we go. Let's at least let the kid be alive for two days so we can run some tests, right? I mean, that's only logical. Let's figure out if this kid really has a chance. Can we give it an IQ test, you know, at two or three days old? What? Well, can we determine if it's going to be a Republican? You know, we can just start killing all of those. I mean, what's what's the line here? And, and if you think that what I'm saying is absurd, we've seen it done. Do you realize that my family, who is still alive, fought in that war? Okay, all of these things have happened. We're not making stuff up here. This is the, the direction that the depravity of man will go if we let it run wild. It's already acceptable to sacrifice children in America. This is a command that God has always been against. God said in the Bible, in the book of Jeremiah, I can't believe I had to write this command down. Did you know that? Right. God said, it shocked me that I would actually have to say, you are not allowed to kill your children. That is how vile and detestable it is to God. And here we are allowed to do it. And we just try to make it neat and clean by have it happen in a, in a white hospital with white gowns and a stethoscope. 
And all of a sudden, yep, everything's fine. And it's been going on so long, like Caleb said, that you can't even get a headline in a newspaper anymore. It doesn't matter. Million kids dead every day. Doesn't matter. So I have come to the conclusion, and I, I've told people, you can argue and argue and argue all you want, and I guarantee you, you will never find a moral reason or, or moral the, find the moral high ground. You could argue with me however long you want, and I, I may not even have the right answer, but I can guarantee you one thing, that something that is as immoral as abortion, there you will never find a moral reason to argue for it. Your, your argument will always fall apart because you're trying to you're trying to do something that's an abomination to God and yet Christians or people that are claiming to be moral will say well we're going to take this moral argument for it or that moral argument for it and they're usually extremely stupid and I'm not sure how much of it came through before because my Wi-Fi keeps cutting out on me here um, but I was I mentioned earlier and, and oftentimes what I find the best thing to do is is take it to a little logical conclusion. Think about it as kind of how does that compare to other things? So they'll say, well, in the case of of um, rape, rape or incest, um, then the mother should have the right to kill her child. OK, so in a, no other situation do we have um, a, a paradox like this where you have um, an innocent life being taken to somehow make up to pay for the wrongs of, of a, uh, of a rapist. You don't have, you don't have a situation where somebody gets murdered and they're like, well, um, that was really bad. They got murdered, but, um, and we, and so in order to exact justice for them, we're going to leave, we're going to leave the perpetrator alone, but we're going to go ahead and just find some random person to stand in and we're going to kill them such that this person can feel closure. Um, this is, it's the dumbest argument that you could make to say that somehow a woman should have the right to kill her child because there was injustice served to her. That child is the result of a terrible thing that should have never happened. And we all agree rape and incest is horrible, but it doesn't mean that you take and, and add another wrong. Two wrongs don't make a right. So that, that argument falls apart very fast. Again, um, I, I touched on this. And I think it cut off while I was talking about this before, but the idea of the fact that we should allow abortion to stay legal so that people have a safe place to do it. Um, again, if you compare that to other things, we don't have safe places for people to go and murder um, in a in a sanitary environment. If you want to kill somebody, let's come to, you know, to a place to do it um, or any other crime that somebody wanted wanted to commit, we're not going to sanction it legally and give them give them sanitary places to do it, such that it doesn't happen in a more gruesome way. Um, it's still considered as a crime. You're not going to open up rape clinics where men can go in and rape women and have it be in a more sanitary environment where where there's where they're more comfortable while they're being raped. That, that would be way, the, the most women won't get thing. hurt. Yeah, that that way the the women won't get hurt, the men, you know, won't have to use weapons, there's no chance of anybody getting injured. It's the same I mean, tell me that's not the same logic that's right. being used. It is. It's the same exact okay. and and every time that I throw this back at people they they they'll either try to divert or go to some other other of argument they will. or they or they realize, "Hey, that that was a really stupid argument because obviously we're not going to do that." And and, and there are stupid enough people out there to try that. They're trying giving houses for people to go and shoot themselves up with heroin in California so that they have a sanitary environment to do that. Um, 
But so then um, some of these other arguments, and I, I don't know if this came through before, but um, I've run into this quite a bit online where people will, will say you can't argue for um, to, as a pro-lifer unless you're willing to adopt all the unwanted babies, which, again, is a ridiculous argument. I, what I said a, a few minutes ago, I'm not sure if it came through, but Christians just statistically adopt more children than any other demographic anywhere. Um, and even if you didn't have the resources to adopt yourself, like let's say, say Patrick and Joanna, they already have quite a few children. They don't want to adopt children, perhaps. But does that mean that they um, shouldn't make an argument against abortion? That would be like me saying that um, you can't say that murder is wrong unless you're willing to go out and personally help victims, uh, you know, people that that they're that they're that they had a family member that was murdered. Unless you're willing to take care of their children, then you have to allow murder. I mean, that's it's a ridiculous argument. We can't all be every everywhere and do everything. Um, and so Christians do, by and large, we are the, the number one that um, we, we adopt more than anybody else. Um, another one, that, another argument is they say that if you are a guy, you need a butt out, quit telling women what to do. If you don't have a uterus, you don't have an opinion because you aren't, you don't, you are talking about women's rights and you're a guy and you need to, you need to butt out. And oftentimes I run into this because I chime in on, um, friends, oftentimes women that finally find the courage to speak out on, on the abortion topic and they get bombarded with people attacking them. They don't know how to answer. And so I'll chime in and, and, and start arguing with people and they'll say, Hey, get off of here. You know, you you, you don't get, you don't get a right. You know, you don't have a right to have a say in this. This is women's right. And I'm like, wait a minute. What if I identify as a woman? You're the same people that are advocating for the fact that there is no such thing as, as actual genders. And now you're going to say that is so sexist of you to tell me. Well, and I got one for you. How well would it go over if we all of a sudden started telling women that they're not allowed to have an opinion on anything that has to do with men? Right. Okay. Yeah, that would go over like a fart in church. Okay. There's no way that anyone would accept that. It's such a stupid argument. You know, and really what what's going on there is that people are trying to uh again segregate women, okay, and say they are different. And that's why they're the only ones that are allowed to have an opinion on this subject, okay? Because they are different from you and, you know, the two have to be separate. But again, they wouldn't follow that same logic anywhere else. Okay, now, right. Caleb, <clears throat> do you know how many times the pro-death people say, oh, woman's right to choose. She can do whatever she wants with her own body. Uh, no one can tell her what to do. Uh, how dare you even think about saying that, you know, you're going to forbid a woman from doing something. Okay. Caleb, do you know what happened with the, uh, I think it was the Miss America pageant. Do you want to know what event was just taken out of that recently? Okay. The swimsuit competition. <laughs> and do you know that they didn't ask any of the women competing? If they wanted that, they just took it away from them. They said, nope, right. you're not going to be able to do that anymore because it objectifies women and it's not okay. Okay. The same people that say that women are allowed to make choices for themselves are the same people that remove choices from women constantly. Okay. It's only yeah. when it fits their narrative. Okay. Yep. So did you know, Caleb, that there is a federal law today in America protecting the eggs of eagles. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. It's a federal yeah, it's crime. Felony. Yep. Not only a felony, a federal crime 
Okay. If you damage eagle eggs, they are protected, but there is no federal law protecting the unborn babies, humans. There is a great video that was put out by Prager University. I'm actually going to find it here and I'm going to copy it and paste it into the comments so everyone can watch this. And they have this guy going around and they always go to liberal areas to find a bunch of stupid liberals to do these things with. And he goes around and he has this clipboard and he's like, hey, uh, you know, you mind if I uh, talk to you about an issue? We're trying to protect eagle eggs. Okay, we're trying to protect eggs from eagles from, you know, they're endangered. We don't want anyone hurting the eagle eggs. You know, these unborn baby birds, we want to protect them. Would you be okay to sign this petition? And guess what everyone does? They all sign the petition. And he's like, right. oh, great. Well, hey, well, I got you here for a second. And he flips the page. He says, we're also trying to sign this form to uh, protect unborn babies in America from being aborted. Would you be willing to sign that? And everyone's like, no, no, I'm totally in favor of abortion. I have no problem with that. It is insane to watch how stupid these people are trying to protect eagle eggs, and they are totally in favor of murdering unborn babies. It just never ends. Like you said, Caleb, you will never find a moral, or I will add to that, logical argument right for abortion. It doesn't exist. So why don't you just man up and say, I want to murder babies. Just say it. That's your stance. Why don't you grow a pair and say it? I'm so sick of it. You can be a stupid liberal in America. No one's stopping you. Go ahead and be a stupid liberal, but stand up and be one. Stop trying to do this mamby-pamby middle of the road. You can't nail me down for believing anything concrete. Right. You are a wimp. You're pathetic. You are a joke to everyone you speak to. Just say you want to murder babies. I've had it. I'm, I'm fed up with the whole thing. I could care less what anyone thinks about it. It is so stupid, and it's time someone calls it stupid. Yeah. All right. So another argument that I want to bring up, they'll say, Give it to me. Uh, and I, I think I brought this up earlier, but they'll say you cannot force a woman to reproduce, mm -hmm. which I think Patrick and I both agree with this. This would be what we would call rape. Mm -hmm. But once the woman is pregnant, we're not forcing mm -hmm. her to reproduce. The reproduction happened when she conceived. Biblically, scientifically speaking, legally speaking, it is a baby. The reproduction already happened. So that argument falls apart. We're not mm -hmm. forcing her to reproduce. We're saying if she has a human inside of her, it is her responsibility to protect that human. And I personally take the position that I believe that women should be held legally responsible and criminally mm -hmm. prosecuted for abortions, whether they do the procedure themselves or not. I believe that abortion should be illegal and both abortion doctors and women um, or their boyfriends, husbands, whoever else that goes along with it should be accomplices. They should all be charged and, and held legally responsible. That is not a popular opinion. People say, well, no, we should make abortion illegal, but we shouldn't ever criminalize it for the woman. She could still, you know go and sneak off in the alley or, or get some pills off of the black web somewhere and do an abortion herself. And we should not make it illegal. Well, the problem with that is, is you're, you're, you have a justice system that is not providing justice to protect 
the child. The innocent life is still at risk and you've found a loophole where all of a sudden Planned Parenthood is going to go on the dark web and they're going to start selling abortion pills and people can get them. Um, I believe that it should be illegal just like any kind of other murder. So the, the idea that a woman should not be forced to reproduce to me, it's, that is an argument that's put out as here, you're the monster, you're the rapist, you're the horrible person that is forcing women to reproduce and saying, you, you're going to force this woman to carry this baby to full term. Well, no, what, however, the, the conception happened, it's already happened. All right. If they didn't want to have a baby, don't get pregnant. And I realize there are some situations where it wasn't their choice, but still that choice was made by somebody. The action took place. We're not talking about us as pro-lifers forcing someone to conceive. Nobody that's pro-life is pro-rape that I've ever met. I've never met a pro-life pro-rapist. And if there are, they should be drug out behind the woodshed. All right. So another one is pro-lifers want to control. Yeah, go ahead. Can I jump in there? Okay. So just to comment on a couple things that you've said. Okay. Number one, um, if abortions are going to be legal, the first thing we need to do as far as laws is we need to change the law. And we say we need to take uh, three ping pong balls, one uh, for the baby, one for the doctor, uh, and one for the mother, and we put them all in a bowl and we pull one out and that's the person that we murder. Okay. If you can get the mother and the doctor to agree to that, I'd say that's a good first step as far as abortions. It'd be more fair. Right. I don't see why not. I mean, if we're just going to, if, if we can pick people to murder, I say, you know, uh, the doctor and the mother have to be in the mix. They got to have some skin in the game. Okay. Number two. Um, I have friends who are the product of rape. I don't know if you know anyone, Caleb, but I got a couple of friends who are the product of rape. And I'm really glad that those moms didn't get an abortion. They had the kids. They loved the kids. They treated them like their own kids and they grew up and they were great people. Uh, Along with that, if you wanted to go and say that all of a sudden uh, any woman, okay, who um, has a pregnancy that is not wanted due to some form of rape, whether it be a stranger or incest, it doesn't matter. Uh, I am more than happy to say, Hey, guess what? The state pays for the whole thing. Okay. The state pays for your checkups. The state pays for your prenatal vitamins. The state pays for the, for the birth. And then the state pays for that baby to be taken care of by a loving family. It would not be a problem. You want to know where all the money comes from? Simple. Stop funding Planned Parenthood. Bingo. There's the money. Okay. That would not be a difficult, uh, situation. Uh, the amount of money that we give to foreign governments who hate us, by the way, is astounding. Stop giving money to some of them. We can trim some fat in a whole bunch of places. We could easily pay for this. Okay. And we're talking about the dollar cost to save life. What is that? We all agree it is infinite. There's no cap on what we would spend when a baby is born and is struggling to live. Okay. The doctors never stop working to try to save the life of that baby. Okay. No, nobody asks the mom what the credit card limit is, you know, on her MasterCard before we get started because we need to make sure someone can pay for that. Okay. We immediately go to work trying to save the life of the baby. Okay. Um, <clears throat> additionally, it should be noted 
that the actual percentages we are talking about as far as um, uh, abortions performed on rape or incest rape cases, I believe, the last time I looked, I believe it was less than uh, two-tenths of 1%. Okay, the number is so ridiculous that we should start by saying, okay, those are the only cases we're even willing to look at. That's it. Everything else, boom, it's absolutely illegal. You know, um, and and like I said before, I have no problem uh, supporting uh, the whole thing all the way up through to birth. If you don't want the baby, fine, we can find it a good home. Okay, there are lots of solutions. Um, and the idea that we actually have to argue that we can find a better solution than murdering the unborn is kind of ridiculous. Right. I can't believe that we even have to talk about this. Like right. how on earth is this the country that I live in? Okay. Jump in with so, the next point. Um, another, another poster that you'll see uh, oftentimes these ladies will show up or men, whoever, um, maybe they're men that identify as women. I don't know. They'll mm -hmm. show up with their, um, their little picket signs and they'll say my body, my choice, my body, my choice. And they'll chant this and they'll say that as pro-lifers, they're shaming us because as a pro-lifer, you want to control what women do with their body. It's my body. It's my choice. You don't get to tell me what I do with my body. The problem is, is, is this argument does not hold water. Like we've already brought this up. The, the body in dispute is not your body. It's your child's body. And you are talking about um, a choice that you want to make with your body, something that you want to do with your body that you think is your right and your choice. Well, after you use your body to, to bring the child into the world, you use your body to protect the child, to feed the child, to provide for the child once it's in the world. Um, I don't get a choice as a parent. My, my wife doesn't get a choice as a parent to use our bodies now that we have children we don't get it we, we don't get a choice to say all right we don't want children anymore and so we're going to kill the child we're going to stop feeding the child we're going to kick the, the child out of the house you don't get that you don't get that choice once a child is in the world you don't you shouldn't get that choice while the child's in your womb either because it's not your body it's your child's body that you're talking about the choice was already made you made the choice you got pregnant and so now or, or uh, let's that's in the in in not, like you said, probably 99% or more, 99.8% um, of the cases, it was, you know, consenting adults. So the, the my body, my choice thing is an extremely irrelevant argument and it, it catches people off guard. And it's, it's a great, it's a great thing to chant at a rally if you're a, a pro-death person uh, to say, oh, it's my body, my choice. And it makes everybody else look like the bad guys. But Obviously, this logically doesn't hold water. Morally, doesn't hold water. You can't use your body to, um, or as, as an excuse to kill any any other human being, and it shouldn't apply to this. Um, and I brought this. I, I, I'm just going to go on down the list here, but I think I've already discussed this. Some um, this one I wrote down is pro-lifers are only pro-birth. They don't care about children after they're born. Um, and of course, this is not the truth. Like I said, Christians adopt children pro-lifers adopt children, but we're also advocating for the same care to be given to children 
before they're born as we are after. We think that children should be cared for and nourished and taken care of after they're born. We're not advocating only, we're not, we're not people out there that are advocating for children to be killed after they're born, but protected before they're born. That would make us a hypocrite. If we're saying you have to protect them before they're born, but once they're born, you can do whatever the heck you want. You can round them up, murder them, gas them, whatever. Um, you don't have to take care of them. You don't have to feed them. As a general rule, pro-lifers are quite charitable. They usually support organizations and pregnancy centers and adoption and, and things like that. Um, and so that obviously is a, is a mute argument. Um, then, of course, the sexist argument that pro-life movement is just a bunch of men bossing women around. And also, along with this, I've heard people say that Christians have been have been manipulated and taken advantage of by the Republican Party to to make abortion a um, a controversial issue such that Christians will argue this point just to to deflect from other issues that are going on. Well, and while I don't agree. While I don't disagree with the fact that obviously there's things that the Republican Party have been up to that have been corrupt and crooked and whatever, um, I'm not saying that all Republicans are great. The idea that 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 we should shut up about it and not talk about it because it's ir an irrelevant topic that we've just been manipulated into into thinking about. The statistics don't back that up. The statistics don't back it up that it's just men bossing women around. There are many, many, many women that are pro-life that are speaking out on this issue that will um they can do a better job of of dispelling the whole sexist argument but obviously um uh it was men on the supreme court that decided roe v wade and so uh men are responsible for the decisions that have ma been made that have brought it to this point and men biblically speaking are supposed to be the defenders and the protectors of women and this is the one place in America that women have no rights is in the womb. doesn't matter if you're a woman that thinks that your rights, um, that, that you should have the right to do whatever you want with your body. Now um, you should thank your mother that she respected your rights as a woman and let you come to birth because you do not respect women's rights. If it's your child and she happens to be a girl and obviously men are the, these evil monsters, but it, just because some of us want to stand up and, and protect um, the unborn, um, that, that argument, I would, I, I, I laugh when people, when, when people try to say, to, to use those arguments against me to get me off, I'm like, you know what? I, I was only going to make one more comment on your Facebook page, but now I guarantee you, I'm going to be the last one to get the word in <laughs> last word in on this argument here because it, it just, it, it emboldens me that much more. And then obviously women having the right to choose. Uh, we've already been over that. Obviously we are, I am pro-choice, but I'm not pro-murder. And so I don't think you have the right to choose to murder. If I if I am pro-choice and you're going to use that argument the way that they are, it's my right to choose if I want to go and steal something. It's my right to choose if I want to go and kill somebody. It's my right to choose whatever I want. If it's women's right to choose whatever they want, then I should have the same right. Let's go for equal rights. Women should have the right to choose whatever they want. If they if they want to murder somebody, they should be able to go and murder them. Doesn't matter if they're in the womb or not. Womb or not. So the the right to choose argument is is extremely easy to to debunk. It's it's nonsense. So I would say those are all very stupid arguments. I'm just going to run back through through this list that I had here. I'm not going to give the counter argument again, but. So you can't be against abortion unless you're willing to adopt the unwanted babies. Um, you can't 
no uterus, no, no opinion. Um, you can't uh, speak out if you're a guy on this. You, sh you shouldn't have an opinion because you're not a woman. Um, a woman cannot be forced to reproduce. Uh, pro-lifers want to control women's bodies. Pro-lifers are only pro-birth. They don't care about children after they're born. And the pro-life movement is just a bunch of men bossing women around. And women have the right to choose. Um, along with that, I also discussed uh, the fact that they'll say that... Uh, I can't remember. A couple others that I threw in there. But anyways, those are the top 10 dumb arguments that I hear um, pro-choice people make. And if you look up... Um, the Daily Wire, uh, Matt Walsh has a really, really great art article debunking um, arguments for abortion. And there's there's a bunch of other resources that are really great out there. If you look up, um, I should have pulled some of these up. Maybe I'll, I'll, I may put some of these in the, in the links, but there are, um, I, I got into Christian apologetics a few years ago and I found that there is a whole movement of uh, pro-life apologetics, people that are specifically going to school and being trained in, in making arguments to defend the unborn. And they, there's some fascinating information out there that just blows your mind that anybody, <laughs> that, that anybody thinks that you can't as a Christian make, uh, make logical arguments against abortion. It's pretty easy to make. You don't have to be an educated person. All you got to know, do is, is realize some of the statistics and and realize that it doesn't matter what they bring. I, I always say fight with confidence because you have truth on your side and they will never, ever find a moral reason for abortion. And that's the, that's the way that they always go. They always go for the moral, the moral reasons. They always try to say that you're the immoral person. You're the bad guy. You're the person that has the immoral stance. And I have never, ever found a moral argument for abortion. I, I can't. I've, I've seen him try and try and try, and I guarantee you, you won't find it because abortion is immoral. That's my rant. Okay, man, we are over an hour and a half. We got to cut this thing off and just say goodnight. So I got to get up early tomorrow and start the whole week again. And it looks like Caleb's screen is frozen, so that's probably just great timing is what we're going to call that. Um Everyone, thank you for joining us. Please look us up on Spotify or Google Play. We very much appreciate everybody showing up and being a part of this conversation. Thank you for the comments. And if you're listening to us on a podcast, please join us every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time or 8 p.m. Central. You can ask questions, you can comment, but please look us up on our podcast platforms, download the podcast uh, listen to it, like it, and share it around. Please help this message get out. We appreciate you all. Have a great week.